Welcome to Whispering Loudly, the award-winning workshop whisperer podcast as featured by Apple with Rachel Evans, the number one automotive business coach in the aftermarket. Thanks to titanium sponsor, Mechanic Desk and gold sponsor, Podium. We are talking to Adele Martin today. Money Mentor is a multi-award winning certified financial planner and founder of the Saving Squad podcast. She is the winner of the Independent Financial Advisor Excellence Award and Best Client Servicing Advisor and 2017 finalist for the Women in Finance Awards. She is Australia's leading authority for financial advice for Gen X and Y, having been Featured in the Australian Financial Review, The Project, The Sydney Morning Herald, Women's Weekly, Sky Business, Triple M and Sky News. Welcome to the Workshop Whisperer podcast, Whispering Loudly, Adele. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Look at all those awards and you you said, I'm in my mum clothes and I've got vomit on me. I I do. (laughs) Adele, thank you so much for joining us here on Whispering Loudly. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me, Rach. I think that your bio that producer Mel just read out needs its own podcast. Yeah, it's a bit long, sorry. <laughs> now, Adele, you are a longtime friend of the Workshop Whisperer. You have come along to several of our annual client retreats on Hamilton Island and delivered some amazing value to our participants. And I was really keen to get you on the podcast today because... You, like me, have spoken to literally thousands of business owners and individuals uh, about their financial positions. I'm keen to ask you, uh, first of all, when it comes to money, what's the biggest mistake that people are making? Yeah, great question. Um, The biggest mistake that I see people make is thinking more money will solve their problems. So that's true of business and personal. So maybe if I get that pay rise, if I can you know, get more customers, then they'll make, be able to make more money. But the analogy that I give, if you had a bucket of water and that bucket had a hole in the bottom, you're still going to have leaks. And tipping more water into the bucket is not going to help you. So you're still going to have those leaks. And so that's probably the biggest mistake that I see. Uh, on top of that, I think business owners, the mistake that I see is treating the business like a credit card. So I really feel strongly about separating personal and business expenses. Yes, you want to get the most you can out of your tax deductions, but we're not putting our groceries and everything through the business because if we're muddling them all together, it's super hard for you to be able to make any sort of decisions with confidence. So you know, can I afford this marketing? Can I afford to put this team member on? If you've got all your personal stuff muddled together, it's really hard to make those decisions with a lot of confidence. So yeah, that's the mistake that I see business owners making is is putting it all together and in one bucket. I uh, got quite a shock this morning. I was talking to a client of mine on one of our uh, coaching sessions and she said that they were using the business account for their everyday expenses. And, uh, you know, she said, you know, if I want a massage, I'll just go and use the business account. If I go and buy the groceries, I'll just go and use the business account. I'm like, oh my goodness, no. So important to pay yourself a wage and keep them separate. Absolutely. Apart from the ATO wouldn't like that. And it makes it it more messy for your bookkeeper and accountant if they are separating it. So it increases your bookkeeper keeping accounting expenses because it's messy. Yeah, definitely keep them separate. Okay. So you're a money mentor. And as we heard from all of the amazing awards uh, and accolades that you have, you know, very well known around Australia. If you had a magic wand, 
What's the one thing that you'd want to change for people financially overnight? So I think for me it is to, firstly I'd love to see more education around money in schools. I think it's something that's just not taught. So I think I'd love to see you know, a focus on that in the school system because if you can understand money and you know how to maximise your money, you've got a much better life. You've got more choices. And so for me, I'd love to see that. The other thing I'd love to see from a small business point of view is a much more simplified tax system. There are so many different taxes as a small business owner. It's so confusing for people. You've got, you know, PIYG tax, GST, payroll, it, you know, company tax. It, it, it's super confusing. So if I was in, in charge for a day, I would like to simplify the tax system because I see so many business owners thinking, oh, I've been paying my quarterly bads and that's all good. And then at tax time, they get this huge bill and they're like, where did that come from? Or, you know, they've expanded now and they've put more team on and now they get stuck with payroll tax. So payroll tax, I just can't see the point of it. It's a, I think it's a pointless tax. But yes, I would simplify the, the tax system for people. Let's talk about our auto repair shops. And uh, you've you've spoken to a number of auto repair shops uh, in your time as a, as a friend to the Workshop Whisperer, as I've mentioned. And one of the things I noticed that they will often not have in place is any plan for when something goes wrong, even an exit plan for retirement. So how soon should someone be putting together an exit plan for their auto repair business? Yeah, I think the, uh, there was Stephen Covey that said, you know, start with the end in mind. So anyone knows Stephen Covey's work, the habits of seven highly effective people. So I, 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 how I position that is, imagine you were in a car and you had, you jumped in the car, you've turned the ignition on, but you don't actually know where you're going. You just start driving. Mm. Where are you going to end up? You end up in real trouble. And so the same thing happens with business. If we have no direction, we don't know where we're going, we don't have a plan, then we can end up anywhere. And so the thing that's important with business too, you know, the exit could be planned. It could be retirement where, you know, we get a choice, but it could also be not of our choosing. We could be forced into the exit and that could be, you know, a sickness because, or, you know, our sickness or it could be a, a sickness and, you know, our, our partner, our, you know, our wife or our partner could be sick as well. So you don't know when it's going to happen. You don't have that crystal ball. So it's definitely something that you need to plan for. And how do you plan for it? There's a couple of ways. Firstly, you should have it written. Uh, A lot of the time it it can be in your head. So having it in writing, I think, is super important. Knowing in that document, you might have things like, well, how do I actually value the business? What is it valued at now? What do I want it to get to? And then this is the thing I know that you work with your clients on this, Rach, is systems and processes, having those documented. If you don't have those systems and processes, you do not have a business. And so having those systems and processes makes your business more valuable. It also means you can take time out. And so, yeah, and for me, that's super important as well. And that'll be part of your planning. And, and, then, and by systems and processes, you know, if we break that down further, what we're talking about is an operations manual. Absolutely. So something for your team or a potential buyer to be able to refer to so that they understand how the business operates. Exactly. Imagine you were walking into a business and everything absolutely was documented. Every button's role and there was templates and processes and systems galore. That operations manual, that's huge value to the person that's buying it. Uh, and then also with exit planning as well, start to think now about who might actually buy it. What does that person look like? And then how are they going to fund it? So just because you've got a valuation of whatever doesn't mean they actually can get borrowing for it. So you have to think about those too. So often, you know, with businesses, particularly small businesses, if you start planning early, maybe you've got a team member and maybe they might not have the debt to to buy it all at once, but maybe over a five, 10 year period, they can buy a little bit each year and buy themselves in. So there's definitely lots of different strategies that you can do in that space, but you need to start thinking about it early enough. I... Remember when uh, we first showed uh, my former workshop to the market to 
I guess, get a gauge on its true market value. We thought our ideal buyer would have been another mechanic who had left the industry to go to the mines because we're near a mining area and that, you know, because the mines were starting to be in decline, that they'd be cashed up and looking to come back into the industry and buy it. But we quickly discovered that that type of uh, person was not cashed up. They were uh, up to their eyeballs in debt because their huge mining wage had allowed them to borrow lots of money. It ended up being investors uh, looking for a, a business that had great documented systems and processes where they could put it under management and just take a passive income. So I'd labour on that point of yours about thinking about you know who might be the person to buy it because it may not be the the first person that you suspect. Absolutely. So. And I refer back to my earlier point, more money doesn't mean more savings. I work a lot with coal miners and that's what I see. So they have to not only be the person that wants it, they have to be able to afford it and have money. Correct. So I also uh, get asked a lot about how much shop owners should be contributing to their superannuation. I'm not a qualified advisor, as we know, so I usually refer their questions back to their qualified advisor. But what can you tell us about ideal super contributions as the shop owner gets older? Yeah, so firstly, I would say this is just general information. I don't know all your situations, so I can't say whether this is pertinent to you. But generally, I'll say sometimes we overcomplicate superannuation a lot. We think it's something really complicated. And I often say to people, you know and if it's complicated you you fear it you don't put anything into it so one of the things I talk about is if there was a country and you had a country that only paid 15% tax capital gains tax was 10% and actually when you got to retirement there was no tax at all there was no capital gains tax no income tax um, up to 1.6 million that'd be a pretty good country to be in people would be knocking on the door to get into that country. Sounds good. That is good. That's what superannuation is. It's a tax structure. We sometimes complicate it. And inside that tax structure, you can have different investments, term deposit, cash, um, shares, property, you can have a real mixture. So the biggest mistake that I see you know, business owners make is not putting anything into superannuation. Thinking two things, that my business will be my retirement and then not getting what they thought they'll get for Mm. it or not being able to sell it timely. Selling a business can sometimes take a couple of years. It's not something you can put up for sale sign and necessarily get a buy the next month. And then they don't have any other assets to be able to sell. So, yeah, that's when I think superannuation definitely can make sense and starting earlier. So I know, um, you know, especially in those startup years or, you know, profitability is not good. It's, it's really hard to put money away. You know, my husband and I are both self-employed. He's in the restaurant game and I'm, I've got the financial planning business. I know it's tough, particularly in those early years. So one of the things business owners can do is just put a little bit away. Mm-hmm. Who says it has to be thousands? Just do that $50 a week. Yeah. So start small and then build on it. Um, but it's that habit. That's what's going to get you started. You're not going to miss $20, $50 a week. And so start small rather than thinking you have to put, you know, thousands of dollars in straight away. The other thing you have to be careful of is, and this is a t- you have to talk to your accountant about, is if you're an employee of your business, you actually legally have to put superannuation away and you can get in trouble. You can get fined and in trouble for not doing it. And now they've got all these great data tracking the ATO can do. And so uh, it's a lot easier for them to come knocking on your door and you to actually get fined. So that's definitely something to, to consider as well. Okay, great advice. Now, so can I add something else there as well? Please do. Because the question I often get asked is, should I put it off my mortgage or should I, you know, put it into super? What should I do? And so when you run the numbers, mathematically, it can often make sense to put it into super. 
The problem is when you put it into superannuation, it's locked away until you retire. So when you're doing this and when I'm working with clients, we're always thinking about, you know, what are their goals? What are they trying to achieve? Is that going to be a bad thing locking it away? Maybe their wife's about to go on maternity leave or they're about to have work part-time or maybe they want to do that trip around Australia. Do we not want to lock all their money up in superannuation? Does that mean they can't buy that dream house, that next house? So you always have to be super cautious. Whilst mathematically, mathematically, that's it, thank you. <laughs> it makes sense. You have to be cautious of your circumstances. And so often we'll be running two sets of numbers with clients, one where they put it into super and one when they don't, one when they might do a half, a little bit, and we give them the information so that way they can make the informed decision about what to do. Wow. So what I'm really understanding behind all of this great advice that you're giving is that it's not just a great bookkeeper that you should have, not just a great accountant, but you really, when you're self-employed, which nearly all of uh, you out there are, you need to be working on wealth creation with a great financial advisor. Absolutely. You've got to have your finance A-team around you. And so, yeah, because you want to not just be building your business wealth, you want to be um, building your personal wealth as well. Yeah, fantastic. Take a smoke out and review us on your Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen. Now, Adele, another thing I get asked about are insurances. In your opinion, um, what are the vital insurances any auto repair shop owner should have with a view to looking after themselves and their family? Yeah. So first of all, I'll preface this by saying no one likes paying insurances myself included. But we know the statistics are out there. We, we know the statistics are cancer, particularly as we get older, you know, into our 40s. We know that, you know, it becomes more and more likely. So there's two ways to look at it. One is we want insurances that look after the business and want the business to be able to keep going if we're sick. And then the other one is we want to make sure our family is looked after as well. So if you split it into those two camps, then you have things like um, business expense cover. So that business expenses, every policy is a little bit different and you've got to really check the, the fine print of, every, of all of them, but they might cover one to two years of your business expenses. So that's things like if you've got loan repayments, you've got debt, if you've got rent. Um, so it covers that sort of stuff. So that means the business can keep going if you're sick. Then you'll have business interruption insurance. So business interruption insurance is, and some of your clients I know were affected by the floods and things like that, that's for those sort of events. It's not an event that's happened to you personally, like the business expense. It's it's something like fire or flood. And so maybe you need to relocate somewhere else or you maybe you need to pay rent somewhere else while your workshop's getting fixed. That helps cover those sort of expenses. The other sort of one is, which probably doesn't apply, I think, to most of the clients listening, is, is key person. So if you had a, a key person, you would have, you know, you could have them insured if they were essential to the business. So they're the businessy sort of ones. The ones that I think are the most important, and this is just for me personally, are the ones to make sure, you know, yes, your family is looked after. So you, you can still put food on the table, you can pay the mortgage. And of all the insurances that I have and when I work with clients, for me, I think income protection insurance is probably one of the most important. And how I position that to clients is if you had a machine in your garage and that machine spat out money and that was the job of the machine, would you have that machine insured? Sure you would. You would. And so, but often we have our car insured, our house insured, everything else but ourselves. And we're the ones that produces that income. So yeah, definitely income protection insurance um, is one of the things that I think is really important. The thing to be noted is it only generally pays 75% of your income. When with businesses, we do a lot of stuff to make sure as much of their income is protected as possible. So we look at things like cars and salary packaging and all that sort of stuff. Um, we don't just do what you, know, what you declare to the ATO. So yeah, income protection is probably one of the most important personally. And then on top of that, you've got death and disablement insurance, permanent disablement insurance, which can you, know, you can use to pay off your mortgage and all that sort of stuff. 
Trauma insurance is one that most people haven't heard of, and that trauma insurance, you know, is if you have a traumatic event, heart attack, stroke, cancer, gives you an amount of money. You can use that for anything, but often people use that to make sure they have the best medical treatment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've worked with a lot of clients now, and I know that if you want to have, you know, that that leading chemotherapy drug or that's not on the PBS, you could be up for twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars worth of treatment. So that trauma insurance helps to pay that. So yeah, and the, we can we can insure our kids for trauma as you well. Can, you can so that if something unfortunate happens to them like a cancer event we have the money to be able to have the time off work to be able to be with them correct so there is a you know critical illness cover for children as well which is not um, generally not as much as what you can get for an adult but it's enough so you don't have to you can take some time off work because you're right that your insurances don't pay but you still want to have time off work to, to be at the hospital and do that sort of stuff that's right so yeah and I know some people might be thinking oh how am I gonna get the money to pay for all these insurances because I, mm. I get that. You know, often you've got a mortgage and other credit card debts and things like that. There is some things that you can do. So often we'll work with clients to, you know, put some of it inside their superannuation. And so that can be a way to ease the, the, the strain on their cash flow. Now, you can't do that with trauma, but you can do it with the others. And there's pros and cons with that, depending on the person. So, yeah, that's definitely something to think about. The other thing to think about is if you were talking to an advisor about this and you're looking at an advisor, and some of you guys might already have listened to this, might have the insurances set up, is when you're looking at it, ask how does that advisor get paid? So because when you're looking at insurance and you're asking how they get paid, two things happen. If it's a commission-based advisor, that commission is built into the policy. It's built into the policy for the life. So those clients generally pay 20 to 30% more than my clients forever. So because it's got that commission built into it. So that's one thing I'd say. And when, when I strip that out of it, often, you know, it makes it more affordable for my clients to, for them to be able to hold it over the long term, which is what I, I want them to be able to have. And then the other thing is, how does the advisor get paid? Because if it's paid in commission, then the more cover they recommend, the more they get paid. So you've got this bit of a conflict there. And so I've got a, um, an advisor on now that's working with me and he said, Adele, I've never worked with an advisor that's reduced insurance before. The last two clients we've worked with, we've actually given them less cover. And I'm like, well, that's because we don't take commission. So, you know, that that's where I think you have to be very cautious when you're working with someone, ask the advisor how they get paid and just have that conversation. And they should feel completely comfortable to ask? Absolutely. How do you I will, absolutely how do you guys get paid? And in fact the advisor should be putting that forward. Mm. And get them to to you know to talk about you know the pros because sometimes maybe you um, you don't have the money to be able to pay the insurance and so sometimes commission might make sense if it means you can't get cover, but not very often. When you when you do the numbers, if it's gonna cost you more like I had a client last year, her premium was now nearly three thousand dollars cheaper a year, every year, because of we turned off the commission. That's significant. So we've covered a lot of ground in a very short space you of time. You know, I talk quick, yeah. <laughs> and I think I'm going to have to listen again to the, the podcast so I can make sure that I've got all the tips down. But one final question for you, as a money mentor, specifically helping people in their 20s, 30s and 40s to build wealth, how can our Whispering Loudly fans out there get in touch with you if they'd like to chat with you more? Yeah, there's lots of ways. I think the best way is to go to adelmartin.com. If you go there, you'll see lots of ways that you can get in touch. And one is we've got our money community, the Saving Squad. So if you want up-to-date money news, if you want to hang out with other money nerds, we've got that. We've also got our, our podcast, the Saving Squad, as well. And then if you think, well, actually, I like what you've had to say. I'd love to know a little bit more. You can see a link where you can book a phone chat. So I work with clients all over Australia. We're a virtual office, so we employ a virtual team all over Australia, which means we can help clients all over Australia as well. 
well. Like the workshop whisperer. Exactly. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Adele, thank you so much for coming on Whispering Loudly. Uh, that advice is going to be so valuable for so many of you out there. So thank you very much. You're most welcome. I'm so happy to be able to help your clients, Rach. As a business owner and my husband being a business owner, I know how hard business owners work. And I know particularly mechanics, it, it's hard work, dirty work. They have to have bad knees, bad backs. And so I know how important it is to get this money stuff sorted. Absolutely. You've just listened to another episode of Whispering Loudly, the Workshop Whisperer podcast. In our next episode, we'll be answering your questions about how to run and improve your auto repair business. If you have a question you'd like to send us so that we can answer it for you on the podcast, please email admin at workshopwhisperer.com with the subject line Workshop Whispers. Thanks for listening to Whispering Loudly, the award-winning Workshop Whisperer podcast, as featured by Apple with Rachel Evans, the number one automotive business coach in the aftermarket. Thanks to Titanium sponsor, Mechanic Desk, and Gold sponsor, Podium. Podium.